it's a craggy rugby mini pod. Um, we weren't expecting to. We don't normally do a little mini pod on uh, the day before a game, but um, the day after we recorded our last midweek pod, of course, Jimmy announced that he was um, going to be leaving Connacht as well. So I've got William Davis here. William, that was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think that was a bit of a shock. Um, but as we said uh, in regards to Nigel, you know, coaches, players, it's their career, it's their business. And times come when they want to go and do something else. Uh, Jimmy's been here quite a long time. He's had a lot of success. He was the he was the backs, backs he was the forwards coach when they when they won the the Pro Twelve, and judging by his statement, it's he's looking for further opportunities in rugby to expand his knowledge and look at the game maybe a different way. And at some stage in the future, I'll be looking to chat to both himself and Nigel, because I think it's fascinating for everybody that, you know, people come to these situations in their careers. And I think COVID has probably concentrated people's minds a little bit. People have had a lot of time to learn. They've been working differently now for a year. And you just wonder, does that get this mind flow going about making a change uh, and making a difference to your own life? in terms of what you're doing. Um, Brilliant technical coach, fascinating man to talk to. uh, And I've learned a lot from him, just talking to him. And it used to be great when we used to get to go away to games, Mm -hmm. uh, which sounds something from the dark ages. (laughs) And you would meet, you know, you might be staying in the same hotel or you might meet them socially. And just five minutes here, five minutes there, you know, they don't want to talk rugby all the time either because that's what they do all day. But you learn stuff. Hmm. and You get a better knowledge of the game and they pass on small things to players. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Kean Prendergast talked about that last week, what he's been learning from players and coaches. Well, media people, if you ask the right questions, you learn as well. They're not going to tell you their, their, their absolute setups and stuff, hmm. but they will point you sometimes in a direction that says, well, have a look at this. The game is evolving. Coaches evolve. So we, we, we just wish him well. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating journey for him. And it's going to be for, for, for the for Collie Tucker and... Mossy Lawler, who've been coaches together. They they, they, they they were together with Shannon and also in, in UL Bows and the AIL. So like the, and then they came to Connacht at more or less the same time too. And, and um, in the academy side of things. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see those guys come in and see what they can bring and what freshness they can bring and certainly what monstrousness they can bring to um, the Connex squad as well. So it's um, interesting times, certainly. All right, so Leicester picked a, an interesting team today. Um, I think their fans were quite surprised by it and, and um, we have some audio from from uh, BBC Radio Leicester's Adam Whitty who um, he also seemed a bit surprised by it, wasn't he? I think he was shocked, actually. I think he was really caught on the hop um, and he gives us a great overview of who they've brought in and what and how they're going to play. I think he's not expecting any fireworks from them, especially with that side. This is a this is a dour selection to play a dour brand of rugby. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not a winning brand of rugby. And knowing knowing what the opposition are going to do and dealing with it are two different things in sport. 
you know, people will say, well, Munster play this way and Munster play that way. Well, Connacht don't beat them very often. So it's that that's the challenge is to deal with what's in front of you. But yes, it is, I think, a slightly understrength selection. The, the key components of the England team are missing. Uh, Johnny McPhillips is an inexperienced 10 and he's barely played this season. So... I think it increases Connacht's opportunity. I still think it's a very tough job for them. Uh, and when we look at their side, it's the strongest Connacht side you could that they can put on the field, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bearing in mind they have two players, two serious players suspended and uh, Quinn Roo injured. Obviously, Bundiaki, Jared Butler uh, on the suspensions. But Pete Wilkins talks about that. And I think what's really interesting with what he says is... They really didn't, they really hit hard on what happened at the Scarlets. I think that, and initially, I think they were so shocked, we didn't get much of a reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there was the press conference afterwards, and then there's no midweek press conference because Connick didn't have a game. Maybe that was just for the best. Mm. And they've had a look at this, and I suspect, I'd say it was a pretty brutal review of that. And a few players were basically put on notice that you'll have to pick it up. He talked about communication. That's going to be absolutely key in this game and decision-making because kicking properly, don't give away silly penalty. It's very obvious stuff, but it, Mm. it needs players on the field to keep talking about it and to make making the right decisions and seizing the opportunity. You might not get many chances in this game. Um, yeah, and they need to. They need to me that like the opportunity is the fact that Leicester has definitely picked a, a second string, um, and in some cases, third string players like their bench, the front row bench is is just they've two players who never played for them. Um, but you know, Connacht have come up against teams who've done that and struggled before. But the other thing is the weather is going to be fantastic, so there should be no excuses for Connacht. This is um, this is a game where you'd like to see them take control and and play some cracking rugby and, and get that much-needed win in England to get his monkey off our back. <laughs> uh, 12, 12 years. I'm fortunate. I've actually seen them win and draw a match in, in England. A lot, a lot of people have been going to games, but Worcester mm-hmm. 12 years ago. Yeah, it's law of averages says it'll happen at some stage, but law of averages doesn't always work when you want it to. There's a great prize in this, a home quarterfinal. I know Connacht's home form hasn't been brilliant, but a quarterfinal... It's another opportunity. There's a huge prize at the end of that, but they've got to get past tomorrow night. Um, and they've got to be aware that a Steve Borthwick side, he's going to have these guys fired up. He's going to have told a few of these guys at Leicester, listen, I know what you say you're doing. I've seen you training. I know what you're telling me about how good you are. We'll go out there and show it now. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, so it's going to be fun. We're, we're looking forward to it. And... Um, but both of these interviews will give you, I think, a good idea of where they're coming from. And um, as they used to say, uh, let's get it on. Absolutely. So let's listen to the Leicester stuff first, and then we'll hear Pete Wilkins from the Connacht perspective. Now, to discuss the Leicester team that has been selected to take on Connacht, I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Whitty, who is the BBC Radio Leicester rugby commentator. Adam, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm a little bit surprised by this team. There's a lot of changes. There's, there's 12 changes to the starting uh, 15. So what are we looking at here? What do you give us a heads up? What do you reckon Steve Borthwick and his coaching team are at? 
Well, that's a very good question because I was surprised as well, I have to say. Um, I wasn't expecting Tigers to make as many changes as they have. They've made 12 for the match and most of their first team players aren't involved, it has to be said. Uh, The reasons for that, I think there's a couple of them. One is that the England internationals, the likes of George Ford, Ellis Genge uh, as well, have to have two weeks of rest, not involved in a match day 23. I think they've clearly chosen this as one of them. If Tigers Tigers beat uh, Connacht and get through to the quarterfinals. You may see them return the following week for that match. The other reason, uh, I think, is that they're clearly prioritising the Premiership. Um, Tigers are seventh at the moment. They're well-primed, really, for a late-season charge, thanks to the return of some of these more experienced names. And clearly, Steve Borthwick has decided that that's the main focus uh, in reality. I'm a little bit surprised at that. This is the only chance that Tigers have got for silverware this season. It's unlikely they're going to get into the playoffs of the Premiership and into the top four. And as I say, they're well-placed to get into the top six, so it didn't really feel like they needed to rest and rotate as much as they have. But uh, Steve Borthwick has clearly decided otherwise. I suppose, is the drive in the Premiership due to the fact that the last couple of seasons in the Premiership have been really poor for Leicester? They've been right down at the bottom. And he wants to mark this first full season with a con- you know, a constructive finish in the Premiership. The interesting thing about that is I would say he's already done that. Um, I would say that Tigers fans at the start of the season, considering what happened uh, in the two previous seasons, where, as you say, they finished 11th both times. I think they would have been relegated last season if it weren't for Saracen's indiscretions they would have bitten your hand off for seventh place in the premiership where they are now. They would have bitten your hand off for probably where they're going to end up, which is probably one or two places either side of where they are now um, in seventh. And expectations are pretty low from Tigers fans and Tigers, I think, can do whatever they want for the rest of the season, really, and they will have done much better uh, than people expected. Steve Borthwick has talked about how this is a long-term thing uh, because Tigers got so bad over such a long period of time. There was such a slow descent that he's going to have to turn around what is basically an oil tanker to try and get them back to where they used to be. And he's done actually very, very well in order to do that. And so to me, this felt a little bit like a free hit, the Challenge Cup, a chance to play their best team, a chance to really go for it, see what happens. But as you say, look, because of the fact that they have struggled so much in the Premiership and actually they survived the period without their England internationals, which is where they really struggle, and they actually survived that pretty well, um, he may think that, look, there is a chance of getting certainly fifth or sixth, of getting back into the Champions Cup where Tigers fans will say that they belong. Um, and that's too good an opportunity to pass up. There's also, I suppose, perhaps he's he's looking at Connacht and thinking, well, they're missing a few players. Maybe they're, and their record in England is appalling, <laughs> which it really is. Uh, I mean, two wins in something since 1997 and a draw is is not good a lot of close games recently um would he take that into account or is that is he the sort of guy that just concentrates on what his team are going to do he you know you you get those cliches don't you in your press conferences where they will always focus on those kind of uh, on those kind of phrases steve has sort of said previously that he has an 80 20 scenario where he will think about his team 80% and then focus on the opposition 20% of the time 
I think that may have played into his thinking, but I think more than that, I think the way Connacht's play will be um, in the back of his mind. I think Tigers will be trying basically to play some nasty, gnarly rugby against Connacht and try and restrict that sort of free-flowing stuff that Connacht have the ability to play. That will be his focus, I think, rather than the personnel. Um, and he's picked a team to do that. And Steve Borpick's teams of late have been about trying to restrict and constrict the opposition. Play pretty boring stuff, I have to say, but it's pretty effective. Um, and um, uh, that, I think, will be in the back of his mind rather than um, Connacht having some suspension, some injuries and stuff. It will be more of a focus on rotating, on resting some of his best players, seeing if he can get through this match um, with a victory, um, but uh, being willing, in, in all honesty, probably to sacrifice it if needs must. Yeah, he talked in the press conference uh, during the week there. He answered one of my questions by I just want to win which mm. I think is, is is a fair summation this uh, winning's a great habit uh Connacht have lost their last three games when they really should have probably won at least two of them and it, it is all about momentum let's just have a look at this team here there's a couple of standouts uh Ben Young's 254 mm. caps so he's he's captain at nine and then Johnny McPhillips at 10 that's um how interesting a selection is McPhillips? I, I because you know George Ford is a a really good uh, ball. Play. He manages the game brilliantly for the way that Leicester play. He's the ideal candidate. Is, is McPhillips in the same class as that? Not from what we have seen so far, but he's a young guy, and um, of course came over from Ireland to join Tigers. What's interesting is that he is a. 10. Zach Henry, who has been the second in command to George Ford for most of the season while he's been on England duty, is playing fullback. Now that suggests to me that Tigers are looking to kick. Zach Henry's a very creative player um, in that 10 role normally, but his kicking has gone up and down in the performances so far. Whereas Johnny McPhillips, when he's come on and he's been a replacement for most of the season so far, actually, um, his kicking has been pretty much spot on. And actually when he came on against Exeter in a game that Tigers lost a couple of weeks ago replacing Henry Tigers nearly snatched it because of McPhillips more accurate kicking McPhillips has uh, has been a replacement for most of the seasons I mentioned and actually that is largely um, because they have a, a number of fly halves at the team they have uh, Joaquin Diaz Bonisha as an Argentine international and Tigers have fallen foul of the fact that they have too many overseas players and I'll, I'll do that with uh, inverted commas because in the premiership you know South Africans uh, Pacific Islanders can count as essentially domestic players as well as well as players from the EU of course um, and McPhillips has been in the team largely because Diaz Bonisha can't be they've been playing the likes of Thomas Lavanini uh, Julio Montoya and Matthias Moroni who starts in this game as well this is a big opportunity for McPhillips he hasn't started a game for Tigers since the final game uh, pre-lockdown. So the match they played away at Saracens, which was March the 17th, something like that, I think. I uh, know it wouldn't have been about March the 7th, I think it was. Um, he hasn't featured since then. Really big opportunity for him. Him and Young's playing together tells me Tigers are going to follow what has been a common recipe so far in their games. A lot of kicking, a lot of playing for territory, um, and you might not see a particularly creative approach from Tigers. That's what it suggests. Yeah, I'm interested as well in uh, Moroni. He's, he's only played nine times uh, mm. at, at 13. I was very impressed actually last week 
when I had a look at the uh, Newcastle game with Dan Kelly, who was in the centre there, but he's he's on the bench. So is Scott and Maroney again? Is that a fairly defensive centre partnership? Um. It is. Um, it's been actually what we've seen a lot from Tigers throughout most of the season so far. Um, but it sort of faded away slightly. That was the centre partnership for the first five, six games from when Moroni joined at the start of the campaign. But since then, Dan Kelly has done extraordinarily well, actually, and has possibly forced Scott out of the team slightly. Um, I think he's been brought in as a bit of rotation. Scott played incredibly well at 13 against Exeter. Him and uh, Kelly created a really nice partnership there uh, when Moroni was rested for that game. Centres is one of the weakest areas for Tigers, um, and they haven't quite worked out who's going to go where. They pretty much have four 13s, and maybe one twelve because Scott hasn't quite been able to find his feet in at twelve. Um, his his creative abilities doesn't quite work with the way that Borthwick wants to play. So it may be that Dan Kelly is the first choice twelve at the moment, but he's still a young guy. I think he's only nineteen. Maroney is a fierce competitor, big hits, really strong defensively. The type of player that chases back at full tilt to try um, and get a, you know, he's, he's put in some brilliant defensive tackles. I remember a tap tackle against Wasps when the game was in the balance that pretty much won it for them. Um, and then when they played against Bristol, he came out and was pumped up for that one. Um, and uh, Tigers, a second choice Tigers nearly upset Bristol that day. Actually, they played incredibly well, but that partnership there is full of experience, full of quality pair of internationals as well it's just I suppose that that hasn't quite worked those two together in at 13 and 12 so far for Tigers so it'll be interesting to see whether they can find a little bit of fluency having been together uh, for a little bit longer on the training field over the past few weeks yeah it's it's, it's probably a bit of an issue for Connacht obviously Bundiaki is missing uh yeah Bundiaki against this chap Moroni competitive does that yeah. that would have been that would have been worth the uh, the admission money if 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 fans could get in let's have a look at the pack here uh complete change in the front row so uh Ellis Genge who's uh, a mm. man who has an interesting <laughs> reputation uh although I thought he had a fine game against uh, Newcastle he just got mm. on with his rugby uh, obviously Tom Youngs and then Dan Cole. So it's, and as well then the two, uh, two of the replacement front row players are on the bench are making their debuts. So that's, that's an interesting scenario. It is. Um, and that front three is actually very interesting for Tigers. You've got Luan de Bruyne there, who's, you know, a very experienced South African who has been filling in for Ellis Genshin and has done a fine job for uh, with it as well. Charlie Clare, you know, before Steve Borthwick joined, was one of those squad players that you never really heard of. He was never involved for Tigers, but Steve Borthwick has brought the best out of him. Um, and he's been really influential this season. I, I think Charlie would admit himself that, look, he is not the most gifted hooker in the world but he works incredibly hard uh, at his craft and has improved dramatically under Steve Borthwick he, you know he's in his late 20s um, uh, but he's really found uh, a new wind in his career really and Joe Hayes then is is the young future star for Dan uh, for, for Tigers coming in behind Dan Cole he's been the apprentice for him you know Cole's been the tight head at Tigers and the first choice for pretty much the best part of a 10-12 years now uh, and Hayes will be in an England shirt. He's already been called up into the squad a couple of times. He was in the uh, shadow squad for the Six Nations uh, as well. Um, and he's a brilliant prospect uh, for Tigers. So that front row is really interesting, actually. And uh, yes, that 
the, the replacement front row, Nick Dolly has never played for Tigers before, recently joined um, from Championship side Coventry. James Whitcomb's only made two or three appearances. He's in England under 20, 18, 19. Will Hurd in line for his debut as well. So at the 60-minute mark, when Tigers normally tend to change their entire front row, it's going to be a very interesting period of the game because there's a lot of experience, a lot of quality in the first-choice front row, but there is not a lot of experience um, in that second uh, front three. So I'm fascinated to see what happens when those three players come on, because clearly they're going to get quite a lot of game time, I think. Discipline's been an issue uh, for Leicester this season. Uh, and it's become a look, Connacht have two players. I know one of them was suspended for Ireland, but I mean, the team captains are because he got a red card in a game. Uh, and it's it's all a bit up in the air with referees' decisions and stuff. But um, is that is would that be a concern, do you think, to them in this type of game, especially with a referee they'll have never have encountered before? Well, you know, you asked Steve Borthwick about this, and it did come up at that press conference, didn't he, where he was asked about it. And his answer, I don't think, was entirely convincing, which was, well, you know, players have been sent off and yellow carded for very different things. And I don't think that really washes because that just tells tells us really that actually discipline across the board is a problem. Um, players like Jasper Visa are who has who came back from a a four week ban um, against Newcastle and got yellow carded within about twenty five minutes. Again, look, there is clearly a problem there. Cobus Van Vake was sent off in the game against Exeter for a high tackle. Uh, there have been periods, quite a few times over the past six or seven weeks, where Tigers have been down to thirteen men. That's happened at least twice that I can think of, and possibly even three times actually um, in their past six or seven matches. And so it is a problem, um, but. Tigers with Borthwick are, are pretty solid at, at you know the sort of dark arts element of the game, and they're going to get caught out for that. Um, sometimes I think they have a really fiery, gnarly pack, and sometimes they're going to make mistakes. And what Steve Borthwick wants their players to do is work incredibly hard, um, push themselves to the limit. And again, I think sometimes that means that players just overstep the mark a little bit. You look at all the things that have happened. They have never been, uh, they have never looked malicious or malevolent in what they're in the action itself. They have just looked like players trying to play on the edge and going a little bit too far. But I think that's how Steve Borthwick likes it. I think that what that's what makes Tigers such a formidable team in their forwards. Um, but it also means that from time to time they're going to get a player uh, yellow carded or red carded they've actually done okay though whenever that has happened they fought back they played, when they played against Exeter they played you know 65 minutes with 14 men nearly won it they uh, beat Wasps comfortably um, down to 13 men for at the end of the game and with 14 men for most of it so they've been able to do without it relatively well uh, but, but it is an issue it is an issue for Tigers uh, no matter what Steve Borthwick says yeah, I, I, I just have a feeling that somehow I can see the referee and decisions and TMOs are going to be part of tomorrow night. Yeah. Uh, it's it's modern rugby, but you, it just has that sort of edge to it because it's a it's a very important game for both sides. I mean, Connacht's Pro 14 season has finished. So they've only got Europe uh, and the Rainbow Cup. Uh, and we won't we won't even go into that competition because none of us really know what's <laughs> going on go, going on with it. Um, looking at the bench, going away from the front row, is there anybody in the three back replacements who could really change this game 
uh, am I am I right in saying he's gone five three on on the bench? You are yes. So looking at that, it, it looks like Zach Henry. If they want to replace the fly half, Zach Henry may come in and replace him at fullback. It's uh, Dan Kelly is a potential game changer defensively and uh, uh, and attackingly. He's he's done pretty well actually so far, but he's a young guy, so we're still seeing mixed performances from him. As is Freddie Stewart. Um, now Freddie Stewart will wear an England jersey at some stage in his career. He's only twenty, uh, but he is exceptional under the high ball. Um, and it's just a really brave, hard worker um, when he can come on um, on the replacements bench there. Um, so those two are inexperienced, but very talented. Um, and uh, and so have mixed performances, but do have the ability to change the game. Ben White is a solid scrum half uh, replacement. He was the second choice actually uh, behind uh, Ben behind Ben Young's last season, but since they brought in Richard Wigglesworth and Jack Van Portfleet, one of the academy products has overtaken him. Um, he uh, he's dropped into fourth place really, but he's, he's like a terrier. Ben White, he keep, he's such a passionate player on the field, um, and uh, and and is solid. Uh, as a replacement nine, it has to be said uh, at the very least. So those are three pretty solid players. I, I have to say, I don't think there is someone in answer to your question that is going to come on and revolutionise the game. Uh, they are solid players who have been, uh, certainly in the case of Kelly and Stewart, regular first team players, but I think will be brought on for solidity uh, rather uh, than their ability to come on and play free-flowing, brilliant rugby. Uh, uh, yet they'll be they'll be there to do, the, the because of Stewart's, good work under the high ball and Dan Kelly's defensive work. Borthwick will be hoping to bring them on when they're winning, I would suggest, rather than to change the game if they're losing. Adam, if you had to put a hard-earned five pounds on this game, who do you think is going to win? And would you have an idea of a margin? So... We had Rob Murphy, of course, of your Paris on our on our Tigers rugby show this week, and he made me a lot more confident. I have to say about Tigers' chances from the way that uh, Connacht's have been playing, uh, because of the suspensions and injuries in the team. Um, but I think I think Connacht want this more at the moment on paper um, from what we've been hearing. Andy Friend saying in, in, in the build up um, and uh, and the players as well in, in the press conference ahead of the game. But Tigers will try and play a pretty horrible brand of rugby that I think will just be able to stifle Connacht if, they, if they're able to get a foothold in the game. It will all be about who can who can get a foothold in it and who can enforce their style on the other. Uh, and so my hard-earned £5, I think it's going to be incredibly tight, too close to call, but I think Tigers' home advantage will just get it over the line for them. I'm saying Tigers by... Uh, one try or you know by by seven or less probably three or four points um would be my prediction let's have a look at this connacht team um that's about the strongest team you could select uh with suspensions and injuries it is yeah yeah we've um you know had a good think over you know you obviously take into account who's been been training well over these few weeks who's put their hands up in recent games but um you know, you, you come back to the same names and uh, it is some of our more experienced guys and, uh, you know, they've earned the right to, to sort of go into battle on our behalf this weekend, you know, so we're excited about the team we picked and, and I think we've got a good opportunity. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty well established. I, I suppose the centre, Sean O'Brien in the centre 
is probably the least experienced player in the starting um, 15. And he's going to have a big job on defensively. Um, it's up to Tom Daly and I suppose Jack Carty to, to help him out there. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair comment. I mean, um, you know, Tom Daly's been never present for us and, and he's a real rock for us in that midfield. And he's a defensive leader. He, he's part of our defensive leadership group in terms of, uh, I suppose, uh, the running of our system and, and some of the mindset stuff behind how we're trying to defend. Um, but he's also been very important for us in attack in terms of assisting Jack with that extra pair of eyes outside of him. So that's something that, you know, Sean has has been really ably supported by. And, um, you know, he's, he's fed off that. It, it leaves Sean really to worry about doing his job and, and playing what's in front of him. And um, we've been really pleased with the, the progress that Sean's made in that respect. And uh, I know he's really excited by the challenge as well. Yeah, how did training go this week? There was a lot of players putting their hands up and there's a, I suspect there's a few disappointed players as well who haven't made the 23. Yeah, there, I mean, there always is. And, um, you know, the nature of our squad and the, and the way that, Andy manages it across the year as he wants to give everyone opportunities and, um, you know, guys will get that chance for game time. And, and with that, it, you know, the real positive is you get this um, a match sharpness and I suppose a cohesion about your group in terms of developing all those different combinations across the season. But you also build up an element of expectation that these guys are now on that stage and they're proving themselves. And, you know, that's a great challenge for us then to have to work through those names and, and see who is most appropriate for that week. Um, and, and of course there'll be guys disappointed and it's not just the guys who are, you know, maybe a little further down the pecking order in form. It's also looking at the combinations, you know, particularly around positions like the back three uh, and the back row, of course, you know, the combinations you go with there tend to then impact what you look at in those positions on the bench as well. So it's not just as simple as picking, you know, your best, uh, your best 23. It's often those combinations that have a knock-on effect as well as to who else gets involved. So, no, it's not been straightforward. We've had lots of meetings about it, but um, but no, there's a real alignment there amongst the staff, and um, you know, I think we've we've got the right mix for this week. Yeah, I suppose there was there was an issue, you know, Kieran Marmion or Caelan Blade. They've been jockeying for position all season at nine. Kieran maybe has a little bit more experience, and it must be fairly obvious to say Jack Carty has a big job here because he's going to have to try to run this this game. There's probably going to be a fair bit of kicking in it. Uh, and it's getting the right type of kicks, either getting the ball off the park or getting it to grass. It's uh, decision making is going to have to be really sharp here. Yeah, it will be. I think that's fair comment. And and if you look at the way that uh, Leicester play, you know they generally don't want to play too many rucks in their own half, um, which means from our point of view, we'll get get some launch opportunities from lineouts, but we'll also get a fair amount of ball kicked to us and some counter attack opportunities. So. The decision-making around those run-and-kick decisions and counter-attack will be really important to us. Um, and as you said, then in turn, our, our own kicking game. And, and it's a balance because, you know, some of our better performances, I think back to um, our trip to the RDS and that, that win against Leinster was where we kicked long. And, and certainly we, you know, we looked to push them back and, and use that field position to then launch our attacks from. So we got some good pay from that. But then last week, you know, the some of the few positives about the Scarlet's performance was um, was how effective we were running from deep. So there's some really interesting kind of connotations to weigh up in terms of what you then select for this game, I suppose, as a strategy. But also in the moment, if you do the, you know, if you are genuinely empowering the players to make their decisions based on what's in front of them, is is how they pick from that menu. So it's interesting. A lot of our training time and our meeting time this week, it's not been so much about introducing new patterns or new plays or 
or learning things that we might not have covered before. It's more about that decision-making in the moment of, of how you actually go about when do we kick long and pin them back as opposed to going contestable. Um, and equally, when do we, when do we strike and, and really have a crack at them? Because, you know, we know we need to go there and fire some shots. Um, and it's a really important part of our identity and it'll be an important part of our game this weekend as well. It might be the sort of game, uh, Pete, where there isn't as many opportunities to fire an attacking shot. Uh, it's going to be key when you're inside their 22 to come away with something every time. It's probably been a little weakness maybe in the games, thinking more against Munster and Edinburgh when opportunities when Connacht were on top, they didn't quite seize it uh, because it's, it's going to be a tough old game. The, the side they've selected is not as maybe as strong as people would have expected it to be, but they're still going to play the Leicester way. No, they will. I, I think that's one of the things that Steve Borthwick's, you know, really um, drilled down into is that Leicester identity. And he's certainly trying to, or certainly has, I suppose, um, reinvigorated that that physicality and that toughness that they've had, as I said already about the field position uh, aspect for them being important. But, you know, the driving more physicality in defence, um, very direct uh, powerful ball ball carriers coming from deep. You've obviously got Jasper Visa in the back row, who's done done good things for them this year. But but also the wingers, whoever they you know pick across that back three. There's guys that enjoy carrying into traffic. So there's a real physical challenge there. And as you said, then on the flip side of that, it means when we get our opportunities, we do need to take them. And you know, for us reflecting on this season so far, you know, there's certain key metrics we'll always look like look at after a game. Uh, things such as, you know, the penalty count and whether we've won or lost that seems to have a pretty big impact on us winning and losing. But as you said, access to the opposition is 22. When we're coming away with points from those periods in the opposition 22, they tend to be the games where we win. And when that drops below a certain level, um, you know, and we're, we're obviously giving up opportunities there and uh, and they're the games we reflected on. It's normally quite a key part of our review. So, you know, against this team that will be physical and, and you know, we'll look to get stuck into us around that breakdown, slow down our ball. It's really important that when we do earn the right to get that field position in their 22, that, that we do make the most of it. And, and, you know, whether that's penalties, whether that's tries, you know, those those sort of points per entry, as we refer to it as, will be um, will be crucial. Just looking at that, at the, the, the Pro 14 season overall, very odd. I mean, more away wins than home, so disappointing home performances. Over, overall, is eight and eight a poor reflection on how well Connacht played at times this season. That, um, I, I, yes. games kind of 50% isn't really what you were looking for. No, I, I think, um, I think there's so many different angles that can give you a different perception and, and you know, 50% win rate in our mind is, is too low. We want to be above that. Definitely. Um, we won eight games, lost eight games. As you said, last year, we won eight games and lost seven. So we've actually won the same amount of games last year, but we finished second in the conference compared to finishing fourth previously. So um, on conference position and, and the ramifications of that in terms of Champions Cup, it's obviously a big positive for us. But if you actually drill down to the games won and games lost, um, you know, there'll be frustrations there. You go down another level from that, look at how some of those games were lost. And as you refer, there's, you know, we're talking a few games there where, We've probably been in control at times and it's that last 20 minutes or so, um, sometimes more, sometimes less, but it's certainly that last period of the game where we've let it slip. 
So you drill into those and look at what's controllable and what are the recurring themes in that. So, um, so there will be frustration and it's important that, you know, we, we don't hide from that. It's easy to say second place in the conference champions cup that should be celebrated. I think that's really important for us as, as an organization. That's really important, particularly when it's, it's been a bit of a topsy turvy season all round, but at the same time, we've got to, you know, face up to the fact that where we need to improve and, and probably across my four years here, we've probably gone through a couple of different cycles. We've had a phase maybe when I first came where we almost found our, our, our bravado in terms of how we played the game once we were behind on the scoreboard or once we felt that there was nothing to lose. I think that's why we often did pretty well in interpros because the perception was we were the underdog and we could just rip in without fear of consequence. And I think we've evolved and grown from that to, to being a team that can take a lead and, and, and can actually assert themselves on, on an opposition from the start of games. But obviously the next stage now is to control games and close them out. So they're the themes that we'll be looking for as we review this season, I suppose, but also the themes that, you know, we'll be trying to remedy in the short term with this trip to Leicester and, and you know, the Rainbow Cup to come as well. I'm tempted to say that most of this side really has selected itself, um, but a couple of ones in the substitutes bench. Oshin Dowling, uh, is, is that because he can cover second row and back row? And Abraham Papaili, who we've seen on occasions make a big difference in games a couple of times negative, negatively, but more positive recently. Yeah, um, Oshin does give us that that flexibility in terms of covering um, second round back row. I think, you know, the man that's, that's probably been a bit unlucky in this selection is Keen Prendergast because, you know, for a young guy just coming through, he's made such an impression on us in the game time he's had. You know, we could see it at training and then he's, he's stepped up to the plate in those... Um, for those opportunities of game time he's had as well. Um, and he'd be in a similar bracket, you know, similar to Oshin in that he can cover second row and lock. So between the pair of them, we've got you know, got some pretty good resources going forwards. At this stage, we think, you know, Oshin's just a little bit more senior, a bit more experienced. Um, his mall defence is outstanding. Um, certainly when he's not been in the starting pack for us, he's, he's wreaking havoc on the training field in those forwards unit sessions. So there's a huge amount of respect within the group around uh, his ability there at that set piece um, from an attack point of view, but also from that defensive point of view. Um, so Oshin's just a nose ahead at the moment. Um, and, and we're really excited about what he can bring off the bench. Abraham, you know, he's had a, had a topsy-turvy time in terms of obviously not so much settling into the team because he, he um, you know, he's, he's a real popular member of the group. And I think he's found his feet in terms of, you know, the geographical move, but um, just that absence of game time. As you said, you know, a lot of that was, you know, due to, to negative reasons with the suspensions early on. And, and then he had a niggly ankle injury that kept him out when he could have got back a little sooner. So he's not really been able to find that rhythm. But we are really excited by what we've seen when he's been firing on all cylinders. And uh, and we think that's um, something that's only going to improve. So I suppose the big decision for us was to start him in a game like this to to try and make those early inroads and go toe-to-toe with Jasper Visa, Or do you bring him on for an impact maybe a little bit later in the game? Um, you know, part of our thinking in this, as you said, there'll, there'll be a fair amount of kicking in this, a fair amount of kick chase early on. So um, having a fresh Abraham coming off the bench once both sets of players have had some running in their legs probably um, probably is no bad thing for us. So, yeah, it's a pretty good, um, two good weapons really in Oshin and Abraham to have on the bench. So we'll um, we'll expect them to get a decent amount of game time as well. What's the, what's the one key thing Connett need to get right to come out of... Leicester with a win, which is a rarity for them in England. It's, it's just one of those anomalies that's there. But there's a great prize at the end of this, which is a home quarter final. Um, 
What are you looking for? What do you need to see early in this game that says we're on it here? Uh, it's our mindset, to be honest, the mentality of, of how we approach this game, William, and, and we've talked about it all week. Um, that's partly in respect of going to Welford Road and playing Leicester in a knockout game. And as you said, going over to England where maybe we've not had the results in recent times. But it's also in response to that Scarlet's performance, which, which wasn't good enough. Um, and the bulk of the review there was not about technique and systems. It was about not having that, that edge to our mindset or, or um, our mentality going into that game. There, there were guys who were doing things right in terms of their own role and their own system, but we lacked guys, I suppose, going uh, above and beyond themselves to, to run the team, to communicate with others and organise others and problem solve on behalf of others. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of passiveness there, and I hate to use that word, but we were pretty, pretty brutal in our review of that, and, and the boys have owned that. Um, and if anything, it, it's the best possible wake-up call you can have going into a fixture like this. So we'll see that around our work rate, our work rate of, of line speed in defence, our speed off the ground, our kick chase. We'll see it around the collisions with our, our tackle work, whether that's one-man tackles or double shots. We'll see it with our ball carry. Obviously, the mall defence, the set piece will all come into that. But all of that will come back to our mindset. And, and if we're at the races this weekend, I think we've got a great opportunity and so the important bit is we've had a, a pretty brutal wake-up call uh, you know, last time out and um, we've acknowledged that and, and you know, we've said about fixing that from, from the very first day we were back into training and, and all the noises the boys have made this week have been along those lines. So if we front up with, um, with that headspace right, we'll, um, we'll be in with a real opportunity. And as you said, it's, it's an exciting reward in terms of a home quarter final. When you're trying to fix things like that and, and you, you you work through it and you've said the review was brutal, but is there is it still on the day? You, do players, they don't really know until their back is against the wall in, in this game and they have to be... It, that's tough to get right, isn't it? Because your mind can go back over situations that haven't worked out for you. Yeah, it, it can be tough. I think probably it's tougher for coaches because, uh, you know, as a coach, you wait for the kickoff to, to really see what happens. And, you know, we've over the years, you know, you can have the world's best captains run or a great training week or even a brilliant warm up and then have a real flatness about you once, once the game kicks off and vice versa. You can be tearing your hair out all week. You can be worried about the warm up being a little bit quiet or the captains run being a little bit off and the boys come out absolutely firing. So, Quite often, it's it's pretty hard to read in the build-up as a coach. And I think the best guide, the best barometer are the, are the players themselves because they feel that energy around each other. They have, obviously, a good understanding of how they're feeling themselves. And, you know, there's no guarantee from that whether the passes will stick or the moves will work. But you can normally get a pretty good read from them about how they're feeling, where where they are at mentally going into a game. And, um, and so there are, there are a few phone calls even, you know, going around on the, the day after that Scarlet's game between coaches and players and, and players and players and just checking in with each other and saying, right, OK, this has happened and, and we acknowledge that. But, um, you know, how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? Because we're not going all the way over to Leicester to watch something like that. And, and immediately the players were onto it. And um, in terms of the conversations they're having with each other, but also acknowledging what they need to do in the preparation during the week to make sure they arrive in that right place. Um, so I think the players are the true barometer of that. And as I said, the noises coming out this week have, um, have been thoroughly positive. And uh, yeah, there's a pretty steely determination then to, uh, to, to get the job done. Talking of coaches, uh, it's 
been an interesting 10 days for Connacht. Uh, Nigel Carolyn, we heard last week, uh, is leaving at the end of the season, part of the furniture. And then Jimmy Duffy, also part of the furniture, we heard a couple of days ago, is leaving. But you're changing your role uh, next season. So give me a heads up on, on what's involved in that. Yeah, there has been a bit of change. Obviously, you know, Nigel and Jimmy moving on, they've, they've been here for so long and, and they're such well-respected and, and trusted members of our organisation, I suppose. So, um, you know, part of that has been, you know, obviously, as you said, the last week or two has been around everyone processing that and, and, and acknowledging that. But yes, it's an exciting uh, change for me. I'll, I'll be looking at a role as senior coach uh, and attack. Um, so I suppose the, the senior coach piece is, is sitting between the other assistant coaches and, and Andy as head coach. And I guess overseeing all areas of, of the rugby programme of the on-field piece, um, we'll be looking to, to really drill down in, into defining our rugby identity, I suppose. Connacht have an identity as, as a place and a club, but, but really drilling into that and, and making sure our playing style continues to reflect that. Um, so that, that will be on my remit, our coaching philosophy in terms of how all of us coach and deliver our sessions um, on-field uh, will be another bit. And, and then I guess leading the rugby strategy. So making sure that all of the areas from set piece to attack to defence to the kicking game, making sure those areas are as aligned as, as, aligned as possible um, to give us, give, give us that cohesion, I suppose, in terms of what we're doing strategically. So that's the senior coach piece for me. And, and you know, it's a step up and, and it's something I'm really looking forward to. And then obviously the change to, um, to coaching the attack as well um, is something I've been really interested in and looking forward to doing. I started out as a skills coach on that side of the ball, uh, back in Super Rugby with the Reds, um, ended up as a defence coach, um, really because that was the the current opportunity going as I was looking to progress through that Reds setup, and, and I've been there now for for seven years. So I guess I've, I've spent that seven years obviously trying to stop other attacks, looking at them in a lot of detail, um, seeing what works, and, and also seeing what's probably talked about a lot but maybe isn't as effective. So I've got some some pretty strong ideas around. Um, how best the game can be played. Um, and, and as I said, respecting what we've done at Connect and what's been successful, it's important that we maintain that. But, but I think there's some, some other things we can layer on there. So the attack piece will be alongside the senior coach role. And um, as I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to that change up. It's big boots to fill in terms of attack and replacing Nigel. And I'm also interested in your tone about the rugby ethos of Connacht or, 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 or what you want to project has the chip on the shoulder mentality that Connacht often used very positively uh, over the years punch above their weight has that been lost slightly at the moment is that something that you need to get back the uh, even in looking at performances at the sports ground teams used to come here and expect a certain type of Connacht and maybe they haven't quite seen that this season look I, I think it's a fair question to ask the the chip on the shoulder and that underdog mentality I, I think that can be incredibly powerful I, I think it's something that if you can harness in the right way um, it can give you that relentlessness and that urgency and that determination to prove people wrong um, and I think in terms of our identity as uh, as a place and, and as a club I think that that should be important to us. And, and as you said, performances at the sports ground in particular probably reflect where we're at with that. Um, the danger of going down that route or, or going down that route in the wrong way 
is that it can become an excuse or a crutch for, for you know, being the honourable loser um, for, for playing, particularly in your interpros, putting up a good fight, but not quite getting there. And I think the danger is you can become too satisfied by that, by being the gallant loser. And, and actually it's how you maintain that identity and that edge that that, I suppose, underdog or, or chip on the shoulder me uh, mentality gives you um, without feeling that you need to aim higher and, and aim to actually overtake other teams, whether they're in Ireland or whether they're in, in, in the competition with the Pro 14 or, or Europe. Um, you've still got to be aspirational and ambitious with it. So I think if you harness it in the right way, it can give you that edge and it could be pretty powerful. Um, but I, I do think you've got to be careful not to have it lurking in the background as a, as a crutch, particularly when there's maybe been a history of being the poorer cousin and, and treated a little bit differently and, and maybe then the results matching that. So you know, I, I think it is going to be important to us going forwards, but it's going to be important we embrace it in the right way. Mm -hmm.